Hey, what's up, everyone? Hope all is well with everyone. Um, this is episode five of the Blurt Founder Story interview series hosted by myself, Daryl Austin Jr. And today I have the pleasure to have my fellow Bay Area Black techie, Corey Harris, in the building. Um, I usually don't read bios, but I have to give this man justice to read his bio to kind of set the context for what this interview is going to be about. So Corey is a North Carolina native. Shout out to Tar Heel Nation. Um, moved to the Bay Area after sending a cold email to Yelp's HR department and landed a job offer um, just before finding a place to stay. Um, previously, he founded Blockchain, no, Blockchain, which is a blockchain consultancy, um, Blink Textbooks, which is a cheap textbook finder, and he also co-founded Tech Trap House, a monthly celebration geared towards attracting Black and Latinx people into tech. He has worked at Twilio, Yelp, and Verizon Wireless throughout his sales, throughout his sales and technology career. In 2020, he founded TrapView, which is a career coach matching app that is building an inclusive tech pipeline for Black and, Black and Latinx students attending community colleges as well as HBCUs. Without further ado, welcome, Mr. Harris, man. You know, glad to have you on the podcast. He's, you know, you definitely did a lot of things and, you know, we're looking forward to hearing about your journey today. So, um, so for those of you that don't, so for those of us that don't know who you are, you know, tell us a little bit about who you are. Yeah, yeah. First and foremost, man, thanks for that, that, that super warm uh, intro, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, and, and it's really great what you're doing. I think, uh, you know, me and you have talked about this before, and even a lot of the stuff I've done, particularly with Tech Trap House, yep. um, it's been geared around like how, you know, technology is so great, but let's actually help our communities get involved into it, and help them secure this bag yep. like other communities are. Um, but yeah, so just to, just to give you, you know, kind of give you more background on myself. Yep. Uh, so I was originally born uh, in Brooklyn, New York. Um, and, and, uh, my mother didn't want me and my older brother to grow up in, in Brooklyn around that right. time. It was, it was the heart of uh, the, the crack epidemic. Yep. Um, so we moved, uh, down South, we moved, uh, ended up moving to a city called Goldsboro, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Um, and I pretty much grew up there. I was there from, you know, up from, from like 20 years old, I guess from like one, almost like four years old to 20 years old. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, growing up in a small town, you're not really exposed to as many opportunities and stuff. Right, but right, the cool right. thing about growing up in a small town is that you, I think that it helps you develop uh, better uh, uh, personable skills, right? Yeah. Because, you know, especially in the South, it's like, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Yeah. Everybody knows everybody. Uh, but at a certain point, you know, if you want to branch out, you, you must leave your nest, right? So right. when I was 18, the, a big or a major life-changing moment for me was when my, my brother, my late brother passed. Mm. Um, I actually found him, found him uh, deceased, right? So mm. that changed my whole like mindset. And before then I had, you know, looked up to people like on the block who, who sure, hustled sure. and did illicit activities and stuff. So I always had like a, a, for lack of better words, a good blueprint on how to make money and how sure. do you, you know, make a profitable business for better or worse. But yeah. after my brother died, that showed me how real life was, right? Mm. And uh, I just remember, you know, when after he passed, people would come to the house. And I just remember thinking like, none of y'all really care about us. Y'all just want to be able to say that you yeah. work with the lady whose son passed or, mm -hmm. or you're, oh, I went to school with his younger brother, you know? Right. And it was like a, a really cold, hard truth, you know, that mm -hmm. I had to, 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 to really deal with. 
So I go from being a baby boy, you know, to 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 being the man of the house, literally, right? right? So I know not only now you like I'm and I'm was really from it. And it's funny, I'm 33 now. I was 18 then, and mm-hmm. a few years ago, I'm like, wow, I'm I'm just kind of realizing that it took all that time yeah. to not necessarily get over it, but kind of like kind of move past it, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I ended up um, graduating. And I didn't take the SAT, so I went to a community college, sure. uh, Wayne Community College, where I really cut my teeth. And when I was there, I was I was doing a lot of um, I had started doing volunteer work and, and getting involved in uh, student organizations mm-hmm. and stuff. And just kind of became fun. I was like, cool, this is cool. Um, and my second year at community college, I had made up my mind mm-hmm. that I wanted to go to UNC Chapel Hill. Yeah. I like, that's where I want to go. Mm-hmm. Actually, the reason why I want to go is because Jordan played there. Sure. But then they also had the best uh, business school as far as undergrad. They, yeah. they were, they're, they're ranked top 10 as far as undergrad mm-hmm. uh, business program. So I'm like, you know, I'm looking at my resume or stuff that I had done up until that point. I'm like, yep. okay, my GPA is good. Um, but I need to do something where it's going to put me over the top. So then... Right. One of my good friends, she was SGA president, student mm-hmm. government association yeah, yeah. president at community college. And I actually didn't know whether she was going to run again. Um, but I was just like, fuck it, I'm, I'm running. And right. then I later found out she wasn't running. And then after that, I'm like, yeah, I knew I was going to win. Right. Uh, long story short, I ended up winning. And that was like the real catalyst to me becoming mm-hmm. like a, a better leader and and kind of, you know, because I was exposed to the board of directors at yep. the community college. So I started mm-hmm. having that type of information. Yep. I learned a lot of diplomacy and, and how do you present yourself correctly and stuff. Towards the end, it, it was, um, I didn't like it just because you it's very stiff. It was yep. very stiff type of role, but it got me to where I wanted to be, right? So yeah. um, was SGA president and then there was what's called M4C SGA, which actually oversees all the SGAs in North Carolina. Yep. So in uh, North Carolina, you have the North Carolina Community College System, 58 mm-hmm. community colleges. Yep. And then the N4C SGA is effectively the SGA executive team that talks directly to the system's office, right, yep. at, at that state level. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a part of, um, I ended up being a chairperson on there on, mm. on there as well. And I won the award for, I think it was called Brian Poove Award, and I didn't know mm-hmm. I was going to win it. And uh, they, they're naming stuff, the guy's naming stuff, Jeff. And I remember thinking to myself, it was like like a process of elimination. I'm like, no, that's not. I'm like, oh, damn, that I think that is me. And he said something else, and he called my name. Yeah. And then the whole crowd just was clapping, and I'm literally was just like standing there like with my mouth froze. And the guy beside me, Kevin, he hits me on my arm. He's like, Corey, aren't you going to accept the award? I'm like, oh yeah, I am. So I accept the award, <laughs> and that one was like a, that award was like a major confidence boost for me. Right. Right, Just because I had never um, been appreciated that outwardly in front of a room full of people. Like it was like overwhelming. It was like, I Mm -hmm. thought I was like in the twilight zone for a second. Um, So um, that went well, ended up graduating and transferred, was accepted into UNC, uh, did two years there, Uh, ended up majoring uh, in economics. Mm -hmm. Um, it didn't get into the business school just because it was more competitive. Sure. Um, but in hindsight, I'm glad I, I got that economics degree because I feel like it's more important to know why and how money is important versus how to make it. You know, if you know why money is important, it bleeds in everything, right? Um, and then economics just really gave me a good background in how do you think analytically. Yep. You know, so like one thing, you know, one joke I learned in economics is, uh, you know, you 
you you're never wrong. You just have to prove, you have to validate or prove why you believe that, right? Yeah, yeah. So if the sun is outside shining and it ain't no rain, you gotta be like, it is raining. Yeah. How about you go to Berkeley and go top of Grizzly Peak, it's raining there, you know? So it, it taught me like uh, to be very uh, analytical and, and not just look at one situation and one track yep. for solving that particular problem, but mm -hmm. what are eight different impacts so of this one move, which helps out a lot, which you've been, you know, you understand having an entrepreneurial mindset. Yep. You, a lot of times when you're creating these marketing strategies or mm -hmm. branding strategies or whatever, you have to think about, okay, where does this put us or put my company in the future? What yep. strategic partnership do I need? So um, really, really enjoyed, really enjoyed um, going there. And, and, and that also helped me get to, get to another stage as well too. So um, I ended up, staying in the triangle for some time and uh ended up working at uh Verizon Wireless and in between when I was actually in college that's where I started my first company yep. uh where I had a website called Blinkness that helped college students find the easiest professor and that, yep. that scratched the personal pain point for me so I knew you know I had a really good understanding of the college experience because I was yep. a college student yeah um so and we were able to scale it from I want to say uh like I want to say eight out of 10 students started using the app within four months of us releasing it. Mm, uh, nice. And it, it actually became very much so social currency. People would tell each other about it so that they would look cool. It got to a point where people knew more about the website than me, where I would be on Franklin Street. Mm -hmm. People were like, oh, yeah, this is the guy who made Bleakness. I was like, oh, you? And again, <laughs> I'm black. So, yeah. you know, the common mis misconception is like, oh, you're black. And I had braids back then. So yeah, sure. that I debunked a lot of, so a lot of people didn't believe it. Sure. Unless somebody else told them because it was True. like social yeah. proof, you know. Um, so that was a good experience. And I later on ended up creating a website called Blink, uh, Blink Textbooks mm -hmm. in the same vein, right? Textbooks inflated, inflate more than the price of tires on a car, right? So yeah. think of it as like a price line for books and ended up putting together a campaign um, together for it. And just really, uh, I, I didn't really have any good examples to go off of. Mm -hmm. But I just kind of was testing stuff out and I used what I learned in economics in regards to like, how do you set up a scientific test, right? If you know anybody who works in marketing yeah. um, or even product, the scientific method works in how you actually do testing ideas and stuff like that, yeah. right? Um, so I, I ended up putting together an email campaign, spent like $75 on it. Yeah. Uh, and through my series of tests, I turned that $75 into $1,000 uh, revenue. Nice. Uh, and it was just really just trying stuff out. Like I sent out some emails. I, I did a pretty extensive uh, email outreach. Mm -hmm. And one of the emails, one of the tests I did, um, I mentioned Harrison Barnes in it, who was an athlete at UNC at yep, the time. Yep. And a couple of students email was like, hey, stop that. You're going to get him kicked out of school. And I'm like, you know, it's, it's cool stuff you learning <laughs> as you go. Yeah. Um, and obviously I didn't get sued and, you know, blinkness wasn't that much of a factor for it. Right, 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 right. But I learned during that test that people care more about sports than their courses. Yeah. Um, but I ended up, one of my test campaigns, I targeted college students based on their major and class standing. So I said, mm. hey, I see that you're a psych major. Um, you can come here to buy your psych one-on-one -on -one books yeah. at 80, over 85% off or something like that. And that campaign had the smallest um had the biggest conversion rate mm. so out of those tests i said oh, great this one is a clear winner right the one that was mentioned harrison barnes that um 
that had a higher open rate because it was more catchy, but it was very much so very clickbaity, yeah. right? And that's why the conversion rate was so hard. So once I saw like the, the numbers from my small test, I'm like, mm. all right, I'm dumping all the rest of money I have yeah. into this one targeting students uh, based on their um, major uh, in class standing. And that, that I learned a lot there. And, it, and it's funny because I didn't really know what I was doing, right? but I just was like, well, you got to test it out, you know? So I just kind of looked and, and took what I was taught, particularly in economics uh, statistics class. Um, so I was doing that, ended up working at just various different uh, startups in, in yep. Durham. I worked at a company called Shoebox doing sales, um, uh, did, did quite well there, ended up leaving. Uh, and it got to a point where I got really frustrated with my career in, in uh, North Carolina. Um, so one of the things I didn't realize until I left was like how the, the divide between um, or the, the wealth divide or the opportunity to divide between blacks uh, and even Latinas at a certain extent yeah. um, are like particularly and it's more pronounced, I feel like, in in areas in the South. Right. Yep. So, you know, back home, you're not really going to hear someone call you out your name, call you the N word. Right. Uh, but if you look at a lot of these tech companies, when you look at just companies, period, who are in the higher ups, who yep. have the earning, highest earning potential, they're usually not us in those roles. So I got really frustrated with not being able to get into the roles that I, I, I wanted to get into. And it was like, you know, my, my mom and people told me, like, go to college. I did that. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, I still can't get the job I want. Mm. <laughs> and then it, well, the, the, the straw that actually broke the camel's back was when I interviewed at a company, I can't think of the name off the bat, but, and I told him, I said, hey, this, this is a marketing role I'm interested in. Just to let you know, I don't have exactly what you're looking for, but if right. you want to talk, let's talk, you know, because I'm, I'm the type, I don't like to waste time and I, you know, I don't like filling applications, you know, yeah. I like, I like to get to know beforehand or the yes beforehand. And they're like, no, that's cool. We, we interview you, blah, blah, blah. So I interview and then their feedback was, oh, you don't have enough strategy experience. And it's just like, I, I thought I told you, told you that, you know. So then the VP of the department who I had a, a previous relationship to, he is the one that told me to apply to it. And then we ended up meeting and then he's like, um, I guess it's like checking in. Yeah. And that's right after I had got accepted to um, to Yelp. That's when I had just got the offer and stuff. Oh, yeah. And, that, uh, don't, don't share that story. Yeah, that's coming up in the next yeah. one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, um, so I, um, so we're talking and I'm like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm moving to the Bay. Because at that point, I was just very frustrated. And I'm yeah. like, I've already told you. I went to UNC. I got an economic degree. I've done everything people told me to do, and I can't get into tech. Like that's crazy. Right, like, right. You know? um, so I, um, so he's like, "Hey, man," he's like, "Actually, I can interview you again. We can go right across the train tracks. There's like a train tracks in Durham. <laughs> it sounds crazy, but if you're in Durham, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and uh, he, he, it was almost like he felt like he'd lost like his opportunity. Um, right. He was like, man, it's cost a lot there to move. And it was sort of sounded like he was trying to sway me to stay. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, I'm already accepted the offer. Yeah. But I didn't I didn't tell him I already accepted the offer. I was trying to see what he wanted to do. But yeah. I knew in the back of my mind, I didn't want to chase that again. Um, but yeah, no, I know I kind of skipped over. I worked at Verizon. I worked at Verizon doing in-store yeah. in sales, which was which was really hard, really hard. Um, sure. But I learned a lot there. I, I really became a lot more, uh, I developed a stronger emotional intelligence 
yeah. particularly in a professional setting. Yeah. Um, because where I work, in particular Verizon store, it was uh, in between uh, Durham and Chapel Hill, right. which is a high concentration of people with PhDs, degrees. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what it is, but people with more degrees and stuff, right. there's a very strong sense of entitlement. Sure. Right. So I, yeah. I had a lot of them come through, but then I would also have people from just different, different socioeconomic backgrounds. So yeah. being flexible and, and talking to different people did well there. Um, but then again, it wasn't, I wasn't working in tech. So I left um, right. and then just kind of went through a period where I was exploring um, becoming a developer. I like spent sure. six months building websites and I was like, yeah, this is not for me. I'm not, right. I'm not a coder. Um, and then that's when I actually applied. It, the name of the company was Azurk. Azurk, yeah, was, that was the name of the company um, that I ended up applying to, uh, but didn't get accepted into. Sure. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of like the backstory of what mm -hmm. led me to the Bay. Um, okay. Yeah. Now nah, that's awesome, man. So, you know, this guy was born in Brooklyn, moved to Goldsboro, <laughs> went to Chapel Hill, was kind of an entrepreneur, a hacker, and, you know, this guy scrapped his way, you know, to create his opportunities and to build his own experience. And he didn't let his past obstacles get in the way, man. And, you know, it's not about where you where you start, it's how you finish. And it's yeah. not about where you're from, but where you're at. Well, yeah. And, you know, that's awesome, man, that you kind of hustled your way to do that, man. He was definitely a very focused college student because when I was in college, I wasn't thinking about you know, um, doing A-B testing and email marketing. I mean, I know you went to school a little later than me, so we didn't have those options or whatever. But now yeah. that's awesome that you kind of kept with it. So now, you know, I want you to kind of tell folks about, tell us about your magical cold call from North Carolina that helped you to move to Silicon Valley. And, you know, tell us, walk us through that journey. Yeah, so, um, so a year before I ended up leaving, um, uh, leaving North Carolina, one of my good friends, he, I actually co-founded my first company with him. Uh, he's like, hey, man, I got a couch waiting for you. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I, at that time, I was making really good money at Verizon. I wasn't yeah. really happy, but I was like, I'm, sure. I'm making money. I had a girlfriend at the time, and I was like, you know, I'm, you know, I don't really want to rock the boat. Right. Um, but then um, I left, and then at that six months, I had saved up a bunch of money and pretty much like kind of blew past it, trying to find myself, right. just paying for my cost of living, right? Yeah, and sure. I was trying to learn how to code and all that good stuff. Um, so I ended up, I had a trip planned for, I think 10 days to come to the Bay Area. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I had, a, I had a trip that I was already pre-planned. And I remember my manager was like, well, you can't take over 10, you can't take over seven days. And I was like, yeah, I'm definitely gonna leave this place. Yeah, 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 <laughs> I knew yeah. then and ended up leaving them, right? So um, I vacationed there. And in the beginning, it was more, it was supposed to be a vacation. But when I went there again, I was in a different, different stage of my life. I'm like, I'm kind of low. I need to figure out, this is like a test. This is, I need to figure out if I can like get a job. Like it'd right. be cool if I can get a job in like 10 days. Um, so before I even went or even flew out, um, uh, Wayne Sutton yep. had just started tech inclusion mm. and he had moved to the Bay area probably probably about three years before I did three, three, three or two or whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm like, great. I'm like, I know this guy. Okay, cool. Um, and I met him right before he went on CNN for the yeah. uh, Silicon Valley special he did. Yeah. Uh, so we, we knew of each other. Um, like I, I walked up to him and said, Hey, what's up? Social Wayne. And he's like, don't call me that. <laughs> 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 I'm like, that's on your website. Shit. 
Um, but um, so yeah, so he had this conference going on, and 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 my my friend's dad was like, "Hey, Corey, you should just reach out to black people." And I'm like, "Huh?" He's like, "I reach out to a bunch of Indians or Muslims, mm-hmm. and they always reply back to me." I'm like, "Duh, your name, you know." Um, so that's where I got the initial idea from. Um, and then also too, one of my friends read a book about what's it what's about no that's that's that was something else but he yeah so that's where i got the original idea when he was like i i hit up random indians and and muslims and they all reply back to me right Right. so you know i'm like if something works in a different area it's a good chance it could work in a you know it's very transferable so um one thing i did i said okay great that's cool i'm like tech conclusion i'm like all these people here are so gung-ho and really about dni they should be willing to help a brother out right so I ended up just guessing um, people's emails. Sure. So usually people have the same or similar naming conviction, right? So usually it's first name, um, dot last name at mm-hmm. twitter.com or right, maybe it's right. harris at you know, yep. twitter.com. So I just was guessing people's different emails. Some people right. I found, some emails I found. And back then, this is, again, this is, um, there weren't any email scrapers that were out unless right, you created right. them on your own. Now there's a bunch of email scraping tools where you can just pull emails from people's yep. LinkedIn page, which I love, I use. Um, yep. So I get all these emails and then I, I write up a simple two-sentence two email. Um, and again, I, I didn't really know what I was doing, but sure. it was just like, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to keep it simple. I know these people are very busy. And, you know, I like it, it, it's kind of, when I think about it now, it's kind of like really, it's, it's weird to say I was like kind of ahead of what I was doing. I didn't really... Yeah. I didn't really know. Um, so I just wrote like a simple two sentence email. Mm-hmm. Um, where it was like, Hey, my name's Corey. I'm an experienced tech professional looking for advice to get into tech. Um, would you be available to speak further? Right. Mm-hmm. So quick, um, sentence about myself yep. and then always end it with a question, right? Yep. You always got to end it with an ask or yep. whatever. Yep. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, and, uh, I'm trying to think how many, not that many people replied, you know, probably less than five, 10% of the people sure. replied. One of the people who did reply was, was Rachel Williams and we met in person. Um, and we ended up meeting at the Yelp headquarters. She chewed me out cause I didn't know that the Yelp CEO didn't like the Google CEO because of, um, the Google, um, Yelp had always, and I think even to this day, blames or a lot of companies blame google for showing higher preference to their products in the google searches right and it that effectively hurts yelp business right so right uh, she's like you're supposed to know that and i'm like yeah, i didn't know that so i ended up reading about it later and she's like um i have my my resume on paper right and she's like next time don't send me paper you know what i'm saying don't do paper people don't do paper you know i'm from the east coast that's what we do out yeah, there but sure. i already had my stuff in dropbox i have my my resume in dropbox yep. so Soon as I leave, I email her from my phone, like, here's my resume. Um, and I later asked her, I was like, like, why did you help me? She's like, I mean, you was on your, she was like, you was on your on your stuff. Like I told you to give me a digital yep. copy. And then five minutes later, you send me a digital copy. She's like, I had to help you. Um, so yep. she referred me in and I went through the whole interview process. Uh, and I was I'm trying to think when I, where was I interviewing at? I'm trying to think where was I at physically? I think I was I had flew back home my vacation that ended right um yeah so um yeah so i emailed all the speakers and then to to create a relationship before the conference right and the reason why i did that i know i'm kind of jumping around but the reason why i did that is because a lot of times when you when we go to these conferences people just run and go talk to the person on stage after they spoke yeah but they don't know you they're not gonna remember you they're at, at the most 
they're going to remember you as a fan or someone who came up yeah. and, and spoke to them, right? Yeah. So what I wanted to do was have it have that second interaction when I come up to them. Yeah. It be more of a more of a um, it, it, it would be the second interaction. Like, hey, I'm, I'm Corey. And the one sent you the email. Oh, good to meet you. So yeah. Yeah, I met. That was like yeah. that's where I jumped. I got a lot of early early leads and jobs and stuff and. When I when I came here and went to the conference, one of the things that really cemented it for me was I can't remember her name. Um, she was she was like a young white lady. She was like a software engineer, yeah. and she's like, "So what do you do?" And I'm I'm talking to her. She's like, "Oh, you know, I'm because I'm, I'm pretty was like I was just like wide you know wide open just yeah. just open." And I told her, you know, I was looking to move to the Bay, looking for a job. She's like, "Oh, send me information. I'll refer you." And I'm like, "Huh?" Because I have never had that right, back home. Right, right. People. I've known people for like three, five years in a professional setting, but they had never opened up their network to me truly. Like I had a few yep. people who did, but it wasn't really happening like that. So when right. I went to the Bay and went to the tech conclusion, I'm like, these people don't even know me. They're willing to refer me. I'm like, yeah. And that cemented to me. I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not coming back. I'm <laughs> like, I'm coming back. Yeah. I'm coming back. Yeah. And uh, so I ended up meeting with a few people. Um, I keep in contact with, I don't think I keep the only one I probably keep in contact with is Rachel. Um, right. but there are probably some other ones that, you know, um uh that I that I have that, I, that I'm not thinking of. But yeah, so I interviewed at Yelp and it was, it was pretty much like, hey, um, because I was working a different job. I had pulled up a different job right when I went back home because I had gotten so low on money. And I was driving to my second job site. It was basically the company I worked for, um, Basically, Samsung, I, I believe, hired this company uh, to have reps kind of reinforce that strategic partnerships, right? Mm -hmm. So Samsung has phones in these stores. We would go out and just make sure the sales reps were had all their information available to them, yeah. like a sales enablement function, like yeah, a yeah, chief. Yeah, yeah. But we won't say we won't pay like sales enablement people, you know. So I'm driving to my second site, and then I get this phone call, and she's like, "She, oh, sorry about that. She's like, yeah. um." She's like, um, it wasn't Rachel, but whoever my recruiter was, she was like, uh, we, we want to make you an offer. Mm. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like American dream, uh, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, uh, and she's like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm just happy. Cause I didn't really know what to say and I'm driving, you know? Yeah. And she's like, yeah, we're going to give you some, give you, um, uh, money also for moving. I forgot the travel, travel credit or something. So they gave me like an extra two thousand or a thousand dollars or something, which I had never heard. Right? right. So I'm like, wow. I'm like, oh snap! Like I wasn't. It was a lot of money to me at that time. At that time. Now yeah. I know that that's customary. You know what I'm saying? Yes. But but then back then I, I didn't know. So accepted the offer, mm -hmm. and then I remember emailing my boss, and he was just like, he was mad that I was quitting. Um, oh. But they had lost someone else to Google. Like literally, the, someone else. The it was that was in my role. I replaced. She had left because she went to Google. And he's like, wow, you leave because you went to Yelp. Like, oh my God. You know. Um, but yeah, that's that's how I that's how I ended up in the Bay. Yeah. Wow, man. That's that's a that's a hell of a story, man. But you know, even yes, you cold called and cold emailed, you still had a plan in place, you know, to, so if plan A didn't work out, you had B and C and D ready, you know, reaching out to the speakers and building that rapport. So you still did your homework before you just, you know, send the email and packed up and move out here, you know, which folks yeah. need to understand that you got to do still some type of strategic analysis 
to understand where you are and where you're trying to get to. So that's why I wanted you to share that journey because I think sometimes when folks hear, hey, code email and got a job, you know, there's a lot of other layers and steps in between that get people to those to that process to that to that um that the end of the end that price. So no, I'm glad you got to share that, man. And um yes, and you know the Bay Area is very open. You know, they give referrals to folks they don't even know and everything. No, and that's great. Yeah. I'm glad you got to experience that. Um, you know, they believe in paying it forward. And, you know, I do the same thing. And I know you do the same thing. So, yeah. you know, so you're working at Yelp. And I know somewhere while you were working at Yelp, you had came up with the concept of, with your co-founder, with Tech Trap House. So that's, so tell us about how did that come about? What happened with that? You know, was it receptive to people and all that good stuff about Tech Trap House? Because I was feeling it and, and and the things you were doing and then, you know, your pivot. So I kind of want to know about that journey. Yeah, so so Trap House kind of, Trap House happened uh, later on down, down uh, later on. It didn't, I didn't start it right after I left Yelp. But okay. um, so I, I ended up leaving Yelp because Bitcoin was, was booming at that time. And I had been watching Bitcoin and cryptocurrency for a long time. Since it, actually since its inception, but I didn't read the Bitcoin white paper until 2017 when, mm -hmm. when it went up to, to 20,000. It's actually going to, I think it's going to hit 20,000, if not uh, this month. Uh, I mean, if not this year, definitely first quarter of next year. Yep. Um, so while I was working at Yelp, you know, I, I was doing doing good, but then I'm like, it's a lot of opportunity in Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. um, so then I left and started uh, Blackchain, which was where I would read these different white papers. Because what I found is that it's a very intimidating space, yes. right? So the fact that I was reading the white papers, I would go to do different meetups and then you meet these uh, these geeks, you know, um, and they're talking the jargon, right? Mm -hmm. And for most people, they're not able to catch up. Like, and there was no type of, in the beginning, and even to this day, it's gotten a lot better, but there was no like real layman type of terms yep. for people, for the debate, for the average lay person to understand it. And I didn't see a lot of black and Latino people in those spaces. So I was like, you know what, blockchain, no, it's blockchain. Yeah. Um, and I'm really big on on branding too, because I like to, to create names and stuff that um, strike an emotional chord. Like I, yeah. I like creating names that people can't forget. Um, right. And even to this day, like, on my black chain Facebook page, even I don't really do anything with it. A lot of Africans are always like liking it and following. Yep. It. I'm like, wow, you know, so the name re resonated. So it started out as basically me um, and a couple of friends. We would meet up around uh, blockchain and I would just be the one. Re I would read these different white papers and stuff. Yeah. And then I'm like, I we should do teardown different sessions. So mm -hmm. I would look at what Bitcoin or what cryptocurrency was becoming very popular or which yep. ones had the highest market cap. Yeah. And then I would create a series of events around these different um, these different blockchains. Yep. And then I had overarching themes. So I had, you know, privacy coins or I had uh, staking coins, right? To kind of follow a theme and stuff mm. like that. So I started doing these meetups. Um, and one of my meetups, um, the founder uh, of uh, uh, Jed, the founder of Stellar, actually showed up to my meetup. I didn't know he was going to come. Right. Um, and I see him, and uh, I asked uh, my friend uh, Matt, who was actually running the co-working space that we were doing our events out of yeah, Starfish. Right, 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 right. Um, and I'm like, is that is that Jed? He's like, yeah, that is. Um, and it was just like crazy. So, and I presented. I knew, and and, and I got to a point where I would hear the backstory of why these different blockchains would be uh, be created. Mm -hmm. um, 
which was different from what you read online. Like yes, a lot right. of these blockchains aren't aren't really weren't really created out of their disdain per se of government. It was more of like ulterior motives, like you know, lining their own pockets or there was disagreements with the founder and blah blah blah, right? Uh, so being able to pull back, peel back that layer, you know, yeah. was really cool. And then I started doing consulting around Bitcoin and blockchain mm -hmm. from there. That's where I ended up doing leads and stuff. And then when the market tanked, that's when I'm like, I, I can't be, I can't you do this full time. I can't right. do this as my, as my main hustle. Right. Um, ended up working with a company called Dispatch Labs and, and becoming their growth marketer and stuff. And it was, there was some stuff they did. I'm like, that's not really correct. Right. But I, I'm gonna let y'all know, but that's not really co correct because I, I really had my, my pulse to the street because right. I was in Telegram, I was leading these meetups, people yeah. respecting me because they saw I had did so many. Um, and um, yeah, so that ended up bottoming out, Bitcoin bottomed out. So now I'm like, I gotta get me a job in more traditional right, tech. Right. Um, so I ended up ended up leaving, ended up, um, uh, well, dispatch ended up shutting down. And around this time, this is where I started getting into more. Um, well, I was art, when I came to the Bay, I was already getting into more art, like going to more art shows yeah. and music shows and stuff. And uh, I ended up meeting just a lot of artists, like random artists and stuff. And one of my friends, he was doing an event called, um, um, gosh, I forgot the name of it, but it was like, he he basically wanted to. He was a he was an artist. He he mm -hmm. made he he was a rapper from the Bay. Yeah. Uh, I think he was Somalian, I believe Somalian Ethiopian. And what he would do, he would have these meetups with all his um, his friends who were in the art community, yeah. right? And then he was trying to get them to get into Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm like, wow, I've been doing it all wrong. Like I was doing it half right with blockchain, where you know, but it, I still wasn't really attracting black people to the to the to the meetups or like right. next um and the reason why was because we tend to um you know you got to get us into the door with music and good right, food and stuff right, like that right, yeah. and actually make it make the use case of whatever you're trying to pitch them on usable to their real life right yes um so like Venmo is a good example of that or square right i don't yeah. have to ask a black person or anybody to use that they they know why they're using it yeah, right pretty much yeah so i would go to go to these different meetups and i'm like okay i'm like Okay, this is probably how I should do it, right? So I'm I'm gleaning from my, their ideas. Like I'm like, all right, I'm like, I need to do an event where I'm combining, you know, music, arts, gaming, and we're with the undertone of making tech more inclusive, right? Yep. Where I can add, I can get my friends to come through, you know, get people from like Hunters Point or yep. East Oakland, right, uh, to come through. We're all sitting in this room, um, and then we have a speaker who who comes out and, and who broke into tech, who looks like us. I'm interviewing them, yep. and they're they're giving us the game. They're giving us the blueprint mm -hmm. on how they, they broke in the tech. Yeah. Uh, and so I started Tech Trap House and it was supposed to be like a three hour event. And then my co-founder, Debray, he had an event called um, Hip and Paint. Hmm. And um, to me, I was like, how about we just put them together, right? But Tech Trap House like, was, was the overarching event, but yeah. Hip and Paint was that one section because I knew we needed to have something that would attract women to it. Oh, of course. Attractive women or just women in period come, yeah, they, men yep. are gonna come. The men to follow, yep. Men to follow, right? So, and then we're like, all right, we wanna do it on a uh, on a Friday. So we would do it on like every third Friday or something like that. So hip and paint will come. And usually what we found was that with hip and paint, a woman either came with her best friend or she came with her, her boyfriend or husband. Right, right, and He right. didn't wanna be there. 
he just came because the lady wanted to come right, and it was like yeah. dumb. So hip and paint was more of a hit with 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 women who wanted to paint and stuff and, right. and stuff like that. And the men are kind of be like, yeah, you know, because we as men, we stuff that um, if women do it, we we tend to view it as being soft or right. we tie uh, activities to masculinity. Like, yeah. you know, you probably won't hear a man brag about going to getting a Maddie Patty, right? I no. get Maddie Patty, but you probably aren't going to hear a guy come out and tell you, like, yeah, I get Maddie Patty, right? Because nah. it's kind of seen as like, oh, you're soft, right? Yeah. So I understood that dynamic, right? So in the way we promoted uh, Tech Trap House, we 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 played with the, the color schemes and stuff. And originally mm -hmm. it was a pink, it was a, a pink logo inspired by Two Chains Trap yep, House. Two Chains. Um, and you know, women love pink. So we initially did that, but then we switched to saying, okay, let's just do a black and white light logo. Yep. And then we had a lot of details in the Eventbrite and we would show pictures mm. and we made sure in the pictures to actually show more women versus men. Because sure, yeah, men will yeah. come either way. Yep. Um, but women, not all, not always. And if women are in your at your event, it's automatically going to be a good move. Like of women course. usually don't cause no drama. Right. Men is a different story. Yeah. Um, so the the hip and paint started from like it would be from six to nine mm -hmm. usually people would come like seven or whatever yeah. um and then it was it was crazy with so many different types of people who were, com who were coming and i'm like why are they coming here like this because the name is very I, and we created that name on purpose i wanted to create a name again that struck a chord and it spoke to our people yeah. right so if you in the trap music you was going to be down with tech trap house and then it, yeah. it just sounded very bipolar too like how do you get tech trap house all together right um and it was like all different types of people's like white people indian yeah. asian i mean i even had baby boomers come and, <laughs> ah. it was, it was, and the, what i learned is that they came for the experience so the people who weren't black and latina they came out of almost like a fascination of wanting to be exposed to the community yeah um so it's like I'm getting more insight because, again, at my event, I would ask people like, you know, and just have a casual conversation with them. Yeah. Right. It, it, and I, I guess that was like my I guess my customer discovery or like getting customer feedback because I'm always thinking like, OK, how can I tweak it for the next time? Um, and then we had like what we had. We had what was called trap juice. Um, and you had to be we we learned from we had we made a mistake one time where we had too much alcohol in it. Mm. And one, one person in particular he he lost his mac or his his laptop we, we ended up finding it for him because he put it in the back room right. and then after that day i was like yeah we're not we're not putting that much alcohol right. in, the, in the trap mm -hmm. juice no more um <laughs> yeah that could be a liability so like a yeah yeah and so hip and paint was good it was a good it was a good entry point into what mm -hmm. was going on and then the trap the trap house portion would start and that and i remember this guy he was so hood i knew it and he walks up to me. He's like, man, he says something to the store. Like, I like it. And he, had, he hadn't spoken to me the whole night. Like, I kind of was was watching him from afar with his lady. His lady was enjoying the whole hip and paint. He was just kind of sitting in his chair, like, whatever. And with Tech Trap House, that portion of the event, which was three hours, yeah. after the painting session end, we, we would do a fireside chat. Yeah. Uh, so I interviewed my, my one of my friend's ex. She works at Google. She lives in L.A. now. Mm -hmm. uh, another friend of mine named Shamika, uh, Shamika Abraham. I emailed, uh, I interviewed her. Yeah. Um, I reached out cold to her on LinkedIn because um, I was like a black woman doing cybersecurity. I'm like, I got to have her. Yeah. Um, 
And um, so he saw one of those interviews and then he like, he's like, bro, he, he said, he, I think he said something like, it is what it was or something like that. He's like, I've never seen something that w- what it is, what it was or something. He said something yeah. of that sort. I'm like, wow, it's like, he gave me a little, you know, gave me a little compliment. So that's usually what we would see. We would see the guys really love the tech trap house portion. They didn't, re- they weren't really feeling the, the hip and paint part. Right, sure, sure, <laughs> yeah. sure, sure. Yeah, but if they lady came, they came. Oh, nah, man. Yeah, that's dope, man. Like, um, so I think what, what was interesting to me when I first heard about it, when you was telling me about it a couple of years back, you know, how did you guys come up with the concept to use the term trap as part of the company's brand? Because I think a lot of us, you know, yeah, we're into music. Yeah, trap, we're, we're trapping, we're getting this. But folks tend to not, you know, correlate that in a business sense, although trapping could be business, right? So yeah. what made you guys make the bold move to use that as part of a branding strategy to make it Trap House? Uh, so when I when I moved here to the Bay and then just started learning the history of like the Black Panthers and, and stuff and just learning more about like Black history. And, and again, you know, I'm in tech, but then I would come to Oakland every week. And then, you know, because my whole thing was I'm, I'm from again, I'm from Goldsboro. I'm half the yeah. city is black. I'm used to being around, you know, predominantly black people. And um, I just saw the level of consciousness that was around us, right? And what I found is that a lot of people who work in nonprofit social sector, right, they believe, they tend to believe that since they're doing good, that they should be supported, right? right? Or that people should, you know, go to their event or donate to them. Mm-hmm. If it's not cool, people don't care, right? right? If you look at um, the most successful companies, Apple, right? It's cool to have an iPhone. Like, people... People won't date you because you have an iPhone. Like, right. I know you heard a joke, like, yeah, he's stupid because he got an Android, right? Yeah. And I understood that, like, you know, like, wow, like, you know, if um, if they understood, like, how to actually properly position themselves, then they would have they would have more more people around them, right? So it it was just for me going to different events. And then also to um, uh, Nancy, you know, Nancy? Yeah, Nancy D. Yeah, 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 Haitian. Yep, and she 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 did an event too. She was doing some event. She does it once a once a year. Yeah, she the didn't bonfire. Do it. Yep, yep. The bonfire, and that kind of inspired me too. And it's like out here in the Bay, um, which I haven't really seen in other places, right. where when Black people when we celebrate our culture is actually more appreciated out here. It's yeah. not really the case back at home. I agree with you. So, yeah. so when I when I when I was coming up with the tech trap house, um, you know, I, I, I just kind of thought about it. Like, why do people go to a trap house? Right. And then I'm also thinking about like, um, you know, I was inspired by Tupac too, with what he was doing with thug life or yeah. what he was attempting to do with thug life. Mm-hmm. That was literally the blueprint I was kind of going off of. Like he's taking a term that has been used to uh, bring us down and actually thug, wasn't used to describe black people it was actually i think the way the british describe indians mm-hmm. which is like crazy but a lot of people don't know when you say thugged out it's yeah. like a whole nother kind of connotation or yep. whatever but um and i'm like okay why do people come to a trap house they come to a trap house and get put on they come to, to make money right yep. and then we would just have all these conversations like what does the trap house of the future looks like mm-hmm. you know and then where i lived in san francisco at the time we called it dodge hacker house Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of went into it too, like where it was like a 24 seven, you know, incubator. Yeah. We would just kind of 
talk about literally everything, politics, technology, come up with ideas. Um, and I really like that experience. Like, and, and, and uh, what ended up happening, my friend named Kinsley, so the name of Tech Trap House came out two years before or a year before I actually started the event. Okay. So Kinsley, we were all downstairs and um, I was like, yeah, it's a trap house. You know, it, like it literally reminded me of like, you know, Goldsboro and being in not so good neighborhoods, yep. kind of hanging out, just trying to come, right? Or like a liquor house is what they call them back home. And and me and Kinsley were talking, he's Nigerian. So, you know, we get it. We kind of have, we come from like a very similar culture. He grew yep. up in the Bay. And I'm like, no, this is a trap house. Like, you know, we got all, we, we got all our Macs out. Like we got Macs out, but it's like the double edge meeting. Mm -hmm. And he was like, no, nah, this, this tech trap house. Yeah. So then okay. they called the internet where he lived tech trap house and the name actually came to be a year before. Mm. So when I first started having these conversations with the break and I came up with the name and then I, I, I came home one night and I, and the first internet I jumped on wasn't for my apartment. It was for tech trap house, like downstairs. Mm. And I was like, this is calling it. Um, yeah. And the thing about it too, with, with what a lot of people there's a book I read called Positioning, and I, I didn't read it at that time, but yeah. in, in position, the book Position talks about how, you know, we are inundated with marketing and, and sales propositions all the time, right? Yeah. We're, we're all pretty much saying and doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. And in his book, he basically has a bunch of case studies. He talked about how do you stand out, right? How do you yeah. stand out? One of my favorite case studies in that book, he talked about how it hurts increase their sales by 10% by stating the obvious. And that was like one of his rules. He's like, he's like, yeah, we're not in, in their ad. If you look it up, if you look up kind of Google uh, Hertz, most famous advertising or ad, it says, we we know we're not number one, but we're number two and we work yeah. harder. Or something, something to that extent. And people oh, yeah. like really love that. And that was one of his rules stating the obvious, right? Um, and the, the one of the things that really attracted me to the name of Tech Trap House is that I wanted it to speak to people who we were trying to reach. I didn't even care about like reaching. Um, I knew I was going to reach people in tech who I was cool with. I knew I didn't really have a problem with it, right. getting them there. But I specifically wanted people who were from like, you know, again, like East Oakland or people you normally wouldn't see in tech or whatever. Right. Um, a lot of these people that I met in the artist community, I wanted them to come to my event as well because i'm like i want you to come and get exposed but then also too this is you where you are your opportunity where you can sell your wares and stuff where you can mm -hmm. share your story yeah. with people who have a higher income because i also had tech people in there too yeah um and i wanted to create a, a a melting pot where you literally would have people who work in tech you know who came from and i'm not i'm, I'm being i'm not saying that all people in tech came from a, a well-to-do home but basically have like a good portion of mix of people from every socioeconomic background. Right. So I got like super hood dude in here and I know he hood just by the way he's standing and is is kind of not talking to that many people. He's right. doing what I saw my people and what I used to do if you were in a club back home because you yep. got to be safe, right? You don't want to lay your guard down. And I'm like, wow, we got, he's from Hunter's Point. So the name came up because, and we, we went for it because again, we were very specific about attracting our people. And I wanted the name that be remembered. Right. So mm -hmm. I would literally do this. Uh, I would do uh, whenever I wanted to bring attention to it. I would go to like a panel discussion that was about DNI. Yeah. And I would just, I'll go up and introduce myself. I'm like, hey, my name is uh, Corey and I'm the founder of Tech Trap House. Mm. And then I would ask my question. 
And then inevitably what would happen, people would come and like, tell me about Tech Trap House, right? Um, because, and then also too, reason why the name resonated is, is, is Trap House, right? Yeah. And it's almost like the boogeyman, like who brags about being in a trap house, right? right? And then, you know, you see a black guy saying, tech trap house like what is that like tech I, tech um, people are making a lot of money trap that kills a lot of people yeah. what is this you know so it was almost like people were coming to me like are you selling drugs or are you doing a legal <laughs> shit <laughs> yeah, they but weren't I, saying that but in the back of their mind right yeah. if you know you went to Urban Dictionary that's what it's going to say you sure. know and my whole thing was like well we're all trapping and I put it in my name now state trapping yeah. basically if, you, if, you're, if you're making money and you're paying taxes you are a trapper yeah. And one of one of my goals with take take our culture and use it for empowerment, right? And, and it goes back to how I envision like um the future, right? And I was a fan of the Matrix, you yeah. know what I'm saying? That scene where Neo put his hand out and the whole room turned to ones and zeros. That's what we saw the next uh iteration of a, a trap house being where it's not guys selling drugs and doing this illegal activity, it's people in a house coding shooting code at each other instead of shooting bullets you know right so that was the, that was the whole idea we were basically reimagining and being futuristic how we wanted um our people to be in tech cool no that, that, that's great man I, I love the fact that you know you took a negative you took a term that's using a negative connotation you know due to the media dubbing it that way and you put a positive spin on it to make it a positive lifestyle and a movement behind it and i'm all about movements and culture and you know, um, defining it. So I'm, you know, that's great that you guys yeah. are able to do that. So where is, where's Tech Trap House today? Uh, so it, it went well, we, we went really good. Like we, we averaged about 30 to 40 people uh, at each event. Um, and then because of Tech Trap House, I ended up getting on at, at Twilio because um, Shamika ended up referring me, right? It's right. always networking. Um, and uh me and the founder had a disagreement on where it should go. Like I wanted wanted it to be more digital focused. Like I wanted right. to turn it into more of of a of a um, a hybrid between online and offline. Where we did one event a quarter because those those monthly events are a lot of work. And I sure. and I literally had one anxiety attack because I was kind of worried that people weren't going to show up. Right. Anyone right. who throws events, your worst nightmare is no one showing up. Yep. Like, it's like the worst. Um, oh, yeah. It's like a boxer losing a fight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? pretty much. Yeah. And uh, it was very draining at a certain point doing these events every month because, again, I was working full time at that point. And I'm like, yo, let's shift to doing more of a digital podcast. And we just do the one event quarter, uh, one quarterly event. Let's go big with that and use those quarterly events to collect emails, build our build our following. And mm -hmm. then that also would make um, more people come because mm -hmm. They, they will look on the calendar and say, okay, it's not happening every month. It's happening once a quarter. So I got to make right. sure I come. Yeah. You know, so me and the founder had a, had a disagreement on sure. where we should take it. Um, and I, I pretty much decided to walk away. Cause I'm like, you know, it's, it's cool. I, I just walk away. Didn't yeah. really want to walk away, but I, it was, it was the, it was the better of, of the, the lesser of two evils. Right. Yeah. Um, and then COVID ended up happening, um, which, you know, we could have never, predicted and COVID was already kind of happening in November as we know now in November yeah. 2019 um but in, so I walked away from it in February and then March that's when the, the national shutdowns happened and that 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 actually killed killed tech, uh, tech trap house 
Yeah, I mean, you know, unfortunately, you know, COVID, you know, stopped a lot of traction, a lot of things, especially in-person, you know, experiences, you know, and it sounded like you had to do what's best for your life and your immediate next move. So, you know, it sounded like it was a good concept and it really could have went far, but, you know, things happen. So with that being said, you know, you're working on something new called Trap View. So I want you to tell us a little bit about Trap View and what inspired you to create Trap View. Yeah, so... um Trap View, um, you know, again, the name, you know what I'm saying? I'm a really big fan of Trap and the things that I make now, you know, my methodology or ideology around starting companies around creating stuff that's socially impactful. Like I want to make, I want to make money like a lot of people, you know what I'm yeah. saying? I want to hit that home run, but I want to create something that's a positive for uh, the community. Um, right. So when I was at Twilio, they, they had this, there's a tradition at Twilio where you have to, in order to get a red coat, you have to build um, an application on top of their stack with their mm-hmm. product. Um, so while I was there, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm gonna get this, this, this coat. And this is, I had the, the, the initial idea for Trap View was supposed to be a marketing tool for Tech Trap House, right? So mm-hmm. if you ever, like, I'm a big fan of just kind of studying what we're greats doing. Um, I think it was Michelin Tires, I believe. I think it was Michelin Tire in Europe. Um, they created a traveler's guide for people traveling and it helped them sell more tires, right? Yep. So my idea with, with initially with, it was actually called Tech the Tech Trap House interview prep line or something like that. Right. So the idea is that people would text this number, we'll get their name and email address, but then we'll be able to pair them with someone who can help level them up for the interview. But we also are getting people to... Um, join our email list and stuff like that right um so that was like with the initial idea and i i built it on twilio so i ended up building building like a rough mvp and um i was initially going to continue working on it but work got like really very crazy so i stopped working on it got really crazy so i stopped working on it um so i built that mvp that's how i got my red coat and then when the george floyd situation happened um i just saw an opportunity where i'm like well, it's like a chance in a lifetime. Yeah. I'm like, I'm seeing, and I had never really seen this at a tech company before where there's like open discussions about like black oppression yeah. and stuff and white acknowledgement of the wrongs mm-hmm. that their ancestors did. Mm-hmm. And then you mm-hmm. see not only whites, but also other cultures kind of mm-hmm. paying homage to us and saying how right. they should be helpful. And I'm like, wow, this is like, if there's going to be a time for me to do it, I need to do it. I need to do it now. Um, and then that's when I, I started working on it more when I was at Twilio and stuff. And, mm-hmm. and when I was at Twilio, I had learned a lot about communications, right? So uh, Twilio is a communication API. Uber and Lyft use it to send text messages to their drivers and riders, right? So I learned a lot about that. how, um, I forgot, the, the, I think it's the FTC. I, I really got, a, got an MBA in how companies are using it across all industries, like yep. using SMS and stuff and creating omni-channel uh, campaigns. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I, I learned uh, there that really stuck with me to this day is that if you are a company, you are an organization, you're a bank or whatever, if you're selling something, if you want your customer to spend more money with you, communicate with them on the channel they prefer. Right. If you communicate with them on the channel they prefer, they're going to spend more money with you and or they're going to do that desired behavior that you want them to do, right? Um, and I'm like, okay, so I was like, this is time now for me to, for me to do it. Um, so I came with the name trap. You literally just took the word interview and trap, put it together. And the slogan is like trap you before you interview. 
And yeah. I want to, you know, I try, always try to come up with something like catchy that, that kind of rings off the tongue, you know. Yeah. Again, it's kind of like inspiration from, you know, growing, growing back up back home, you know. Yeah. The dealers and people who are boosting, like even in New York, yeah. like uh, you know, they're 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 engaged with the Tyler to get the mother to buy the, the DVD. I've seen yeah. it, you know. So, um, I wanted to create a name that that resonated with who I was targeting. So I did that great, uh, and then I decided to create it uh, on SMS because that's the that's the most popular channel that we all communicate on, and then also to um, controlling for people who don't have the best internet connection, right? right? So I wanted to make sure if you have a cell phone, you can receive a career coach. Yeah. Um, mm. And uh, so I ended up leaving Yelp. Uh, and then, you know, while my job search, I'm still job hunting, looking for full-time full time job. And um, ended up still working on it. Ended up getting 100 career coaches signed up for it. Nice. Just cold calling a whole bunch of career coaches across I, I even have one in the UK. I have like one or two in Canada. Most of them are in um, in the US across all types of roles, sales, product, engineering, uh, people, operations, HR, like kind of like all kind of like a mixed bag, which I wanted to do on purpose because um, going back to, to where I came from, I went to a community college. And had I not went to UNC Chapel Hill, I would mean you wouldn't be having this conversation. Right. Exactly. Wouldn't have started my first tech company. And what I saw happening when, when the COVID shutdowns happened, um, people who worked in um, hospitality or, or industries that are driven by person-to-person -person interaction, yep. um, they are losing their jobs. And when I was at Wayne, I had a fast food job. I had a couple fast food jobs. Sure. And a lot of community yeah, yeah. college students have fast food jobs. Mm -hmm. Well, they're not, they weren't working as much because again, all these places shut down. And, um, so then I, I just was like, wow, like this is like a huge need. And then, you know, I started seeing these different companies saying they wanted to become more inclusive, that they wanted to hire more people of color. I'm like, yeah. okay, so they're saying this. And I'm like, I'm just kind of gauging, looking at the environment. I'm like, this is the time for me to do it is going to be now. Um, and that, that's like where the idea came from. It literally was me kind of looking back like, wow, like that would have happened um, in 2008, it right. would have crushed my career. You know what I'm saying? Like it yeah. would have crushed it. So I see Trap you as a way to bridge that gap um, because most tech companies don't recruit from or recruit from community colleges right. unless they're like super big. But most community colleges are under 3,500. I think it's like 3,500 students. I need to check. But yeah. most community colleges are small. Um, and most tech companies don't recruit from HBCUs as well. They're yeah. starting to now. Sure. Largely because of Apple, what Apple's doing, but um, there's not like an all out um, consistent planning around recruiting like it is to Harvard and Stanford, yeah. Yeah. an example, right? And then obviously most people that, that are doing well in tech, and when I say well, making a lot of money, they're from yeah. like Stanford and Harvard. So yeah. it ends up being like, oh, you went to Stanford? I love people from Stanford because I went there. Oh, you went to MIT, yeah. right? And people from community colleges aren't getting into those funds. No, they're not. Right? And so my trap view is a way to circumvent that where, you know, we're giving tech companies um, the ability to actually um, be a part of the solution where yep. their employees can come on and say, okay, we'll, we'll be a career coach for a community college student. Um, and the community college student, what they're getting is that, you know, when you look at career coaching, it's normally like, I think, I think they normally charge like $75 an hour or something like that, mm -hmm. which most people can't, can't afford. Right. Uh, and what I wanted to do was basically make that a non-factor. So it's like they pay, uh, 
a low fee, like a, a low, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm still working on the, on the business model behind it, but it's like a $10 fee, right? Where it's no barrier. The fee is just there to make sure that student is serious about their career and valuing their uh, career coaches time. So they're, they're get three coaches They're They're, they're basically, so let me back up. So there's a phone number that student will answer a, a series of questions. Yeah. Like, what is your major? Uh, what do you like to do for fun? If someone, if you, if money wasn't a factor for you, like what would you do for free or something like that, right? Just ask them career-oriented questions. Mm -hmm. And then based on that information they provide, we find career coaches with them to help them either with hard skills, soft skills, or just kind of planning out how they should get into that specific role, right? So if someone showed interest in product, then we would pair them with like a VP of product or a group product manager and stuff like that. Um, someone interested in the sales, then we'll pair them with right. someone VP of sales, right? And through those interactions, they'll meet with their coaches once, once a month mm. for an hour or whatever, 30 minutes an hour. And then the career coaches would be able to provide feedback on that student to the platform. Like, hey, we right. think, think Daryl's ready to, to, to interview for product roles. And then the platform will go out and we'll have existing partnerships established with these tech companies to be their uh, diverse talent um, sourcer. Right. And they will have their job opportunities on our, on our board. And then we pay them directly for the interview. Right. So that's like the, the, the idea of it. Think of it as like a, like, um, like a job well, but with the career coaching piece to it. Yeah. Um, and then I saw an opportunity because, um, you know, Next Play does events and which is really, I, I love what Leslie's doing. Um, yep. But it's, it, his event is more geared towards experienced Black and Latinx people who are looking right. to make the jump to their next company yep. to make 30, 50 more K, right? right. And Jobs was the same thing as well too, where you're only gonna know about it existing unless you're already in those circles, right? right. We're going deeper down the funnel where we're getting people who don't even know how to take that first step. Right. I don't even know. And how then to eventually, get in, yeah. exactly. And then eventually they're going to get to the next play level or yeah. the job where like me and you are on me and you are like the target persona of next play. Yeah. Right. And they, they just started a, a, a coaching uh, program. Yeah. Hope, I, I hope it, hope it does well. Um, but yeah, so that's where I saw the opportunity where there's like a gap, like there's not really comp companies really targeting Right. that piece of uh, of the uh, puzzle. Nah, this is a this is a this is a solution. You know, I wish that was around when I was starting out in my career, or when the when the Great Recession happened in 08, You know, because I had to do so much heavy lifting and so much research and so much reading and pulling myself up by the bootstraps, like they like to say. You know, to yeah. get to this point, and you you have a product. You know, that's going to make that that beginning funnel a lot more easier for them to get on board it, get acclimated and be prepared to be competitive to get these jobs. So like, I see a lot of opportunity for you to scale this. So my next immediate question is gonna be, do you have any um, test schools right now working with the platform? Uh, not right now, I, I'm talking to different different okay. uh, community colleges. Um, the, the, one of the things I've learned is that like, the, the I'm probably gonna have more success with the smaller ones in the beginning. Um, because they're like over 10, 15,000, then they have bigger budgets and they'll probably have a quote unquote career coach or career counseling function there. Um, but again, we all know that if these community colleges are just, if uh, our educational systems were doing good as they should, yeah. then you should see more black and Latinx people in tech. But a lot of them kind of know that they have a problem with that. Um, so some of the, some of the pushback and 
they haven't really told me this, but it's also been like, well, if we use your app, we already have career coaches. You're making us like we're not doing our job, which yeah. is not necessarily the case is that we are targeting Black and Latinx people who want to get into tech. Right. Your career counselors may not be the best to tell them what Google wants to hear for a product role, because that's just very specific knowledge, right? Yeah. Unless you worked at Google or you've been a PM, you're not really going to know, right? So getting, I'm, I'm still working on getting past that. And I think it, it, it eventually worked. I, I think I'll eventually get more, get some partnerships, um, but I'm not uh, solely relying on the community colleges. I actually want to build out like, you know, my own process for targeting, um, yeah. for, for targeting students. It's just that it's easier to do it through a strategic partnership, but I'm, I'm still in the beginning stages. Um, I even had a had a talk with, um, excuse me, Grace Hopper, um, yep. and they actually want to be a part of our uh, beta trial. So nice. Um, that that definitely helps. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm still kind of like in beginning stages, and like I'm juggling between, um, you know, you know, again, like my main focus is like getting a job, but then I'm also working on this just because with with COVID going on, you know, with COVID going on, you know, and it, and this is my advice for like all entrepreneurs. Spend your time on what's going to bring you money today. You are. Um, because your dream, a lot of times, um, will cost you more now than it will in the future. That's right. You know what I'm saying? So, like, set yourself up for, you know, up for success. Like, getting a job, you know, doesn't make you a loser. No. <laughs> you know, a lot of the most successful entrepreneurs work for somebody and they glean that information. Um, right. And they work on their, their side projects. And, you know, like me, you know, startups fell a lot, you know. Yeah. They're more likely to fail. You know, so why put your eggs in a basket that will mainly fail, you know, um, and, and I'm bootstrapping it as well. So not looking not looking to raise money because um, if you look at um, what's been happening is that companies are skipping the seed round uh, yeah. with mm -hmm. the cost of starting a tech company a lot more cheaper. And then when you do a seed round, you're giving up up to 20 percent. I don't yep. want to do that. Right. Um, I want to do as much as I can on my own, you know, yep. so. No, nah, absolutely, man. I'm glad you harked on that point of having a job while you're building your stuff. I mean, it's important. You got to have runway to take care of yourself, making sure you're eating good, making sure you're healthy, making sure you're well-rounded. Because if you're looking yeah. desperate and feeling desperate, no one's not going to invest in you. And then the second part of that is why you are creating runway by working this job. You also have to continue to invest in yourself based on the funds you get. So you take your funds you know, you invest in your business as well as yourself so you can scale yourself and your future business. So I'm glad you pointed those things out because, exactly. you know, yes, you may hear the one or two success stories in Silicon Valley or somewhere in Israel or somewhere all over the world where this person lived in his mom's basement and, you know, five years raised $40 million. That is a lottery system in itself. And um, so I'm glad you pointed that out. And, and that's what I'm stressing to folks now. Like, yes, you can have a dream, but dream smartly. You know, um, don't get caught up. So I'm glad you brought yeah. that up. So and, and and then to add to that too, I can't remember this article, but it's like I've seen a lot of entrepreneurs say like I started from the bottom, right? But it's like you didn't really start from the bottom. Right. Like most of these, if you look at most of these successful entrepreneurs, they didn't necessarily start from the bottom, especially in tech. No, they were able to take that risk and not have a job because they had a well-to-do family taking, yep. care, taking care of them. Like Mark Zuckerberg is a great example of that. Yep. Like his dad is a, was a dentist. Yep. Dentists has made really good money. Um, so, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of things that aren't being spoken about, you know? So like, 
yeah, like, you know, like, it's, it's like most of these, like, I, I just don't like when I hear people say I started from the bottom and I'm like, no, you didn't. <laughs> I mean, let's call it what it is. And I, and I have said, and I have said this in other interviews and talking to other people, the setup for us is different than it is for other cultures. Let's just put that out yep. there. The, yeah. You know, the yep. game is different, you know, for us, the way they're able to raise money and stay at home and not work. That stuff don't work for us, you know. If it did, we would have already been successful doing that with that model. So it's a little bit exactly. different for us, and people need to recognize that. So that I have no problem harping that and putting that out there. So, you know, just those out there listening, the game is not set up for you the same way as, as it is for other cultures. And it's not about pulling yourself up by the bootstrap because you know what? I'm an example of pulling yourself up by the bootstrap, and so are you. And just because you do that don't mean – you know, doors are going to open. You have to be strategic. You got to have a game plan. You got to take care of yourself. You got to build the right relationships with the right people. And you got to be plugged in. That's just yeah. how it works. And, it's, and that's not going to change. Um, yeah. So, and, 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 and to add to that, too, I know you want to ask that question, but, like, make sure your, your house is in order. So, like, one thing I've been doing this year is just literally, like, making sure, like, all my, all my stuff is in order. Um, you know, because of COVID, a lot of people have died, you know, yes. God bless them, rest in power, mm -hmm. but they didn't have their affairs in order, Right. you know, and you're only as strong as your weakest link or yeah. the weakest part of your life, right? So, like, make sure you have your life in order. So, like, have a life insurance policy, right, for, you know, in case something happens to you, have disability right. insurance, yeah. have health insurance, you know, yes. um, you know. Um, make sure you're taking care of your mental. If you need to go talk to a therapist, go do that. Absolutely. Right. I am um, a big proponent of therapy. And I just wanted to co-sign that, man. I go to a therapist <laughs> yeah. myself and, you know, I have no problem saying this. My wife dragged me to the therapist three years ago. And you know what? That was the one of the best dragging I ever experienced. And I look forward to my appointments every month with my therapist because he's gotten me the way I am today, you know? So Let's I'm go. a big proponent of therapy. Yeah, that's dope. Yeah, yeah. So, so let's shift yeah. gears a little bit. Let's continue on this um, job journey. So for those that are looking for jobs, whether that's in tech or in different industries right now, what are some approaches that people can take right now to get some traction where they can get some interviews? Because right now, everybody's crawling on LinkedIn, going on Indeed, going on Glassdoor. <laughs> you know, just a couple of weeks ago, I got an email at my work email from some guy asked me, hey, can you refer me for a product manager job? And I'm, you know, I'm laughing to myself like, no, I'm not referring you to a product management job because I don't even know you. Like, how am I going to refer you because you're desperate? I'm just not going to do it. And I think a lot of yeah. folks have that sense of desperation right now. Recruiters are not responding. Um, they don't have the proper tools and techniques. So I want you to give us a quick, short, mini masterclass on what folks can do right now to get some traction, to get some interviews that can help them get closer to a job. Yeah. Um, so I'll say number one, focus on standing out. Um, and this is something I did unintentionally. I started doing it when I started uh, Black Chain. So I would, I would, again, I was doing my meetups. I would do these presentations, put them on Prezi. Mm -hmm. And then I also blogged about um, cryptocurrency. So I created a blog series called uh, Tokenomics. It was a four part series. Um, and someone read it and was like, man, this should be on Hacker Noon. And it ended up getting in Hacker Noon. Um, so, yeah, so make yourself stand out and actually think about how do you, how do you want to be branded, right? So when I, when, I, when I want people to think of me, I don't necessarily want them to think of me as an entrepreneur. I want them to think of me as like someone who's really adaptable, 
You know what I'm saying? Like I, I'm really good at changing where I need to be. You know what I'm saying? Like if, um, if I had to kind of describe myself somewhat, it would be like a chameleon, right? I'm what I need to be at that point in time, right? But, you know, brand yourself, right? So whenever I, even to this day, when I get interviewed, sometimes people will read my article and they're like, give me a congratulations. And I'm like, I already know this interview is over. Like I already got it. Yeah. Like I literally had one interview where with a company and I actually didn't, I actually didn't accept that offer. Um, the guy's like, Hey man, I read your article about, um, tokenomics and we mm -hmm. talked about it. And I was like, I knew, I knew then I had one day interview. Yeah. I knew then. And, um, so blogging is very important. Blogging is too, but I would say like putting your, putting your name out there. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then also too being also being like very careful with it um with, with putting yourself out there like I, I actually put state trapping on my linkedin i took it off because oh. one of my cousins who's a vp of product he actually said hey Corey, don't do that like you know he told me he's like this is hurting you um so what i did was i took it off my my linkedin but i, I still have it on my facebook and my yeah, instagram sure. yeah, and absolutely. my twitter right you gotta you gotta know your audience and stuff yeah. um and then like how are you using your online presence right so if you want to work in tech or if you just want to work anywhere, don't don't come across as a liability. Right. So don't don't post crazy stuff like, you know, I don't know, like you getting drunk or, you know, you get right. a lap dance. Like don't post that type of like, type of stuff on your on your social media. Companies look at that. They, yeah. they look at that. Um, and um, yeah, so so make yourself stand out and make sure you have like again, make sure you have a consistent consistent theme, right? Like one thing venture capitalists do when people ask them for money, they go on Twitter and see what they talk about, because yep. whatever person consistently talks about, that's who they are, you yep. know. Um, so if you wanna, if you're all about product, then you should be writing a lot about product online. All um, right, so you know, or following people and stuff like that. Um, so that's like one, and then number two. Um, you know, I would say definitely practice interviewing, you know what I'm saying? Like you can, uh, you know, reach out, uh, to people, reach out to people cold, uh, to me, you're having more luck reaching out to people cold versus applying to jobs. Right. And some of the best places to actually meet people is actually Twitter. Like mm -hmm. a lot of these VPs and stuff, a lot of tech people in, um, power positions are on, are highly active on Twitter. Yeah. So engage with them on Twitter. Um, like, uh, one of my friends, what she would do is if there was someone she was like attracted to on Twitter and I'm, I'm saying attracted, not in sure. the way, like she right, wanted to right, get right. with them, but she, she, she liked what they were taking themselves professionally. Yep. She would follow them. Yep. She would follow their cadence, see what they typed about. And then she would reply back with stuff that they were most likely to respond to. She would find clicks between them and her. And clicks are things of commonality. Like, oh, you like ice cream? I like ice cream too. What's your favorite ice cream? Like, I know that's kind of rudimentary, but right. you know, literally what she was doing. Um, and I've actually seen people and heard of people getting job offers through through Twitter. Um, so that's number one. A lot of people don't 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 look at Twitter, but yeah, Twitter Twitter is big. I'm not I'm not as good on, on Twitter. I'm more good on on LinkedIn. Sure. Um, I think it's because I've been using it so long. Um, and, I, and I guess that leads me to my next point: beef up your LinkedIn. Uh, in tech is very important. Yeah. Other industries, it, it doesn't matter as much. In the South, your LinkedIn page doesn't matter as much. But on the West Coast, or if you're in New York, yep. your your LinkedIn matters. page matters a lot. Um, but I also think that's that's changed though now because of COVID. Every, yep. We're all online. So, and to beef up your LinkedIn, so if you want to be in sales, go look up 
like 10 people who are doing sales and see what type of words and language and how they position themselves yep. and then go copy that. Take what you like from it and put that on your page. Right. Um, and then uh, I guess my last one, I know this is supposed to be like a quick masterclass. Yeah, yeah, sure. I'll say, I'll say cold email, cold email. So if you know anything about applicant tracking systems, yep. um, they track how many times you apply to a company and they track mm -hmm. how many times you've been re rejected. If you want to get in one of these large companies like Google and Twitter, those are like the, those are like Beyonce's. Yeah. Everybody wants Beyonce. Of course they want to date Beyonce, Everybody wants but they're Beyonce. not ready. <laughs> they're, well, they're not, they're, it's, it's not necessarily that they're not ready. They're, they're trying to approach them the wrong way. That is So right. these large companies, they say they track applications. I don't think they check every single one because in their ATS, if you don't live in the Bay or if you don't live close to where they're headquartered, they're not even going to look at your resume. Right. Um, because again, they're getting like upon thousands and thousands of resumes. Yep. So when you're looking at these large companies that are very popular, go through a referral. You got to get a referral. Yep. Um, unless uh, literally the only, the only, the only um, reason I would say apply to those companies directly is if you're going for a role like GDPR lawyer where there's not that many of them, but it's probably more now, but yeah, for the most part, those large ones, a lot of those um, get through a referral. Um, and companies want to interview referrals because it all automatically kind of signals a culture match. Yep. Uh, and then the company doesn't want to make their employees mad if they're referring people and they're not, you know, so you're more likely to get some type of response. Um, and if the small companies apply to them straight, like they're like no name startups, just apply to them straight yep. because they're going to feel more lucky to see your application than seeing it at Google because everybody's applying to Google. Right. Um, and uh, I, I guess my, my last point is like send out a bunch of code emails, send out a bunch. So like uh, just recently, I just sent out a bunch of code emails to um, to different VPs and stuff and, and directors and just was like, what's up? You know, do you have any job opportunities, you know? Uh, and not everyone replied. And I actually sure. created a three. I, I created a three-step um, email sequence. Like the first one went out on day one. The second yep. one went out on day four. Second one went out on day seven. And that was it. And I'm actually when I do these cold campaigns like this, I'm not. My goal isn't to get everyone to respond. I only no. want to get people to respond who want to help me That's and right. who helping me aligns with um, how they view themselves. Yes. You know what I'm saying. So. That's the you. You also have to be cognitive of, of the value they're bringing, um, and you know, because they, you know, we're we're um, in tech. People are always looking for the next Zuckerberg. I'll say that. Of course. Right? And you know, people respect quote unquote hustle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. So I would I would say like the the biggest game changer is like cold emailing, but I would also I like applying. I would say don't don't stop applying. Um, because that's going to give you more swings at back because you need that practice, right? Yes. Because the worst is getting referred to a company and then you doing not so good on the interview. That's yep. kind of like, like, like the worst. So use those, those interviews that you're getting from filling out applications um, as practice, essentially, right? And practice, I'm kind of saying that facetiously, but you kind of build your muscle to get through that interviewing. Uh, and then last but not least, track your interviews in the spreadsheet. Like tracking okay. you apply who you apply to the role, yep. so that you can see where you're making a mistake at in your interview process. Right, right. So I know I'm not getting past the the first round. Then that means that 
the recruiter is not willing to put their um, leverage on the line for me to the hiring manager because they know the hiring manager isn't going to want to talk to me. Because the first interview is about impressing uh, the recruiter. Now, if I know I'm not getting past the hiring manager, now I'm like, okay, there's probably some things that I'm doing um, structurally in my interviewing that I'm not saying. I'm probably not saying buzzwords. I I, I say this kind of half-heartedly. You're probably not using the right buzzwords, but not necessarily the exact word or more of the process of it, right? So, like, one, like, big uh, buzzword in in sales is band, you know, um, budget, authority, need, timeline type of questions, right? You don't necessarily have to say that directly. I mean, you could, but you would say something of the sort like, well, when I'm looking to, you know, um, to to close a deal or to learn, I want to qualify and ask the questions to make sure I'm tying up opportunities where they can't, um, um, where this is like a no deal down the road. I want to figure out and ask them these type of questions around band, around their budget, blah, 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 right? So framing right so when you track all this in the spreadsheet you can literally see like man like okay like i've been having a hard time getting past the um the the last round of interviews but that's just because uh we're in the same type of job market now as we were in 2009 right right? but also to being critical and like okay what could i have done differently what if i what what could i have said like differently in this instance right so um i would say those things like tracking 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 your applications um, in a Google sheet, reaching out to people, uh, yeah. code and, and also applying, beefing up your LinkedIn and blogging, excuse me, and blogging too. All right, folks. So you, you, you heard, th- thanks for sharing those tips, man. You know, those are valuable tips. And for those, um, who needed another recap. So basically develop your brand. That could be a blog. It can be a particular niche on something you're good at. Um, figure out, you know, what social media platform, you know, that you can that you have the most warm leads in, whether that's LinkedIn, whether that's Facebook, you know, start showing that up, you know, do a social media audit to make sure that your profiles match your personality based on where you're trying to go, not where you've been. So if you have like college drinking photos, yeah, you may want to get rid of those because um, there's no place for that. And they will search and find those things. Um, The next step after that is basically beefing up your social media profiles to be found. So that way recruiters can find you. Um, the fourth thing is, um, yes, do some mock interview practice with folks. You can ask you know, some friends, some family. And like he mentioned, code emails to um, professionals in the industries with jobs you're looking at and actually do a code, you know, code interview practice. And they'll be willing to help you because you're not asking them for a job, but you're asking them for advice. And um, right. the last, in the last couple of steps he mentioned, was do code emails, you know, so send out some code emails. You got to wear your sales hat. You got to make sure you're reaching out to folks and um, you got to have, so the more folks you reach out based on your strategy, based on who you're targeting and who you're reaching, um, you'll have a better conversion rate of responses. But that does not mean copy, you know, write one piece of copy and send it to hundred people. That's not going to work. So you kind of have to customize it based on the companies and the type of roles you're targeting. And the last thing is you want to track your workflow in the spreadsheet. So that way, if you, like Corey mentioned, if you're not getting past the phone screen, okay, maybe it's something you're doing at the beginning that's not capturing the recruiter so you can understand where you're at. So these are very valuable tips that anybody and any of us in our community can start to get at right now. 
So I appreciate you sharing that, Corey, and thanks for your mini masterclass. So we just got a few questions left um, so I can get you off the hot seat. <laughs> it's all so, good. Talk to us about how do you manage work-life balance with your family and career and any helpful tips that you can provide? Uh, yeah, so like, you're only gonna be as, as, as the stuff you produce is, you know, the fruits of what comes out of you is a product of who you are, right? So if you're unfulfilled in a certain area, whatever you produce is going to be unfulfilled too. It's going to, it's going to be off, right? So like my, my thing is I'm, I'm very diligent about really um, carving out time for things that are needed, right? So health, health is very important to me. Yes. Um, so like I, I make sure to take my vitamins every day. Yep. You know, um, when I wake up in the morning, I try to have that be the first thing I do. Mm -hmm. um, you know, work out. Like I ran three miles today. Um, and also just keeping, keeping in contact with, with people I care the most about. Right. So like I had this conversation with my dad and I'm like, you know, I'm not working hard to make more money. I'm working hard to have more time. Right. right? So that I can, I can acquire money to where if you need me to be there, I can be there. And, you know, right. and that situation came up, like I mentioned with, mm -hmm. when, when I lost my, uh, my granddad, had I not, you know, had time in my bank account, I wouldn't have been able to, right? right? So also looking at the bigger picture, because if your goal is just like materialistic or just to get the most amount of money, people can smell that, you know what I'm saying? Um, and I've actually walked away from working with people because it didn't make sense, not necessarily from a monetary standpoint, but I didn't, I didn't gel with them, you know? Um, and you having a work-life balance you, is something you have to be very, very diligent with, right? Where, you know, and I, and I have, a, I have a girlfriend, so it's like whenever you have a lady or a mate yeah. in your life, they're going to make sure you spend time with them. That's all. Oh yeah, yeah. one way or the other, they will. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We saw that earlier, um, and um, so that helps in having someone who was not afraid to tell you what you need to hear at that point in time. Like, you know, when I was at Twilio, I'd be working. And it, again, this is like when COVID really hit. So the digital transformation um, was really accelerating with a lot of companies because they had to go online. They had right. to integrate SMS. So I was working like consistently like, till like nine at night. Right. It's like, Corey, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, yo, you're right. And then my something switched to me and said, okay, um, I'm only going to, I'm going to prioritize what I need to do based on its importance or yeah. its urgency. And that just kind of cleared out a lot of stuff for me, right? Um, I live by my, another thing is I live by my calendar. Yeah. Um, and uh, if it's not on my calendar, it's not real. Like even when me and my girlfriend plan stuff, she used to laugh at me in the beginning because she's like, mm -hmm. like, that's weird. But if it's not on my calendar, it's not real. Like right. everything I do, like when I fly out, I mean, it could be yep. my working out. It can be, you know, uh, even journaling. And then also too, I, I have a journal um, that I write in every day. So I, ha I write down three things I'm thankful for. I start mm -hmm. my day with that. And um, because what that does is that sets the tone for the day for right. me to look at my day or look at my life in a, in a, in abundance versus uh, from, from a hunger standpoint, right? right? right. You have to be in a, a, in a place of abundance to be successful. That's right. um, and then the second thing I write is like, I want to be financially self self-sufficient by 2024. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's more of like an affirmation of me looking out in the, in the, in the future. Yep. 
Um, so I write that five times a day. I write that down like five times a day. And that's like burning in my brain about what I need to do to set myself apart. So it's like, even like, even now, like I, I, you know, I get, I get tested with COVID consistently yep. as a result, because I'm thinking like, I want to be financially, uh, well off in the future. Well, my health has to be in order. Like I ended up, um, you know, going to a dermatologist for one, one skin thing I had, um, so I, I literally, you know, that's basically how I do it. Like I see the the opportunities for me to make money as supporting what's most important to my life, right? Um, and, and again, it's just like really just uh, one thing I'm, I, I'm starting to do now is to take time to decompress. So getting offline and, yeah. and turning off the phone and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, those are, it, it, it's a work in progress, you know, and right. those are like some things that I do, but um and then I, I would say also like one thing that that's really been paramount for me to, to help me move forward is like really keeping my weight under control. Right. And I eat a fruit smoothie every morning. Mm-hmm. Rain, sleep, or snow, I eat a fruit fruit smoothie right. every morning, um, which is obviously important now with, with COVID, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, one of my relatives had COVID and uh, her husband is, uh, they're both nurse practitioners. So I asked, I was like, what, what did you, what's your, what did you treat him with? You know? Right. And she named like the fruits that were in my in my smoothie, and I'm like, yeah, I'm on the right path, <laughs> right. you know. So it's a, it's a combination of like I, I put my health uh, paramount yeah. before 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 everything, because that kind of to me being healthy and spiritual, they're one in the same, you yes. know, because your mind can only go as far as the body would allow. If the body's distressed, the mind can't the mind can't go. And uh, I heard it somewhere. Your stomach is your mind. So yeah. like literally what you're putting in your stomach goes straight to your brain, you know, yeah. if you're putting good food in your, in your body, then you're, it helps your thyroid, yeah. you know, with, with distributing chemicals and stuff throughout your body. Right. So to me, it's very paramount to be healthy yeah. and be spiritual. Those are like my main two things. And then everything else kind of like falls, falls under that, you know? So um, I'm not, you know, I, I used to, used to love my ideas that I work on. I don't love them. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I, I treat them as good as they're showing potential to me. Yeah. You know, um, and in the same way, um, you know, what, what I tell people who are working towards a career, like, you know, make sure make sure you you take care of yourself um, because that company isn't going to take care of you like you can take care of yourself. Right. So make sure you um, you value your health like. As an example, there was uh, my, my girlfriend's a travel nurse and one of her friends, co-workers actually died from COVID. Oh, wow. And the nurse, the nurse ran after someone without properly having the PPE on the mask um, and she caught oh. it, you know, and her friend got mad because they didn't, the hospital didn't really do anything to, to celebrate her, the lady wow. who, who lost her life. They it w- wasn't really no real acknowledgement. Mm. And you, you got to think about that, right? Like I thought about it. I'm like, like ain't nobody going to take care of you better than you. Like these companies right. will replace us. Like they don't, they don't care about us. They're not, they're not emotional. Like they're making business decisions, you know? So if you're not putting your health, your mental health, spiritual wealth, like all that's, that's like most important. All this money you can make. You, I mean, money is money, you know? <laughs> it yeah. comes and it goes yep. <laughs> you know so um yeah. yeah that's like some some things i do to to maintain that 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 work life yeah uh, balance 
No, that's important, man. And I think there's been a big shift with um, us being more responsible with our work-life balance since the recession, the Great Recession happened back in 08, because before then, there was this 60, 70 year model where you stay at a company, you, you know, you, you do a good job and you're accountable and you have good attendance, you'll get stable raises everywhere. Yeah, you have your benefits and you get a gold watch and a pension and you retire. So, uh, you know, for that model, a lot of companies at that time, you know, did kind of take care of their employees. But then once the Great Recession happened and, and the jobs changed and they got outsourced and they got eliminated, you know, a lot of that burden fell on us. And then in our community, a lot of us were not aware of these work-life balance techniques because, you know, we were so busy fighting for survival. You know, we, you know, a lot of us in our community, we never really had a chance to really understand the things we're good at, take time out for ourselves. We're always hustling from the one thing to the next just to stay above water to keep the lights on, to pay the rent, to eat, and to somewhat live a life through some type of experience. So I think now with the explosion of the internet and, and you know information out there, you know, even myself up to a certain point, my work-life balance was off. You know, I was all about the money, 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 was not thinking about years down the road, was just thinking about today. You know, because when you see other people who are making money and they're, and they're doing good, and they're doing bad habits, for example, like when I was in New York and I worked in finance in the Wall Street area, I've seen a lot of bankers and folks, they'll go out drink three, four days a week. But what we didn't know was what vitamins they were taking. They were working out, getting that stuff out their system, you know, doing those type of things. And, um, you know, so work-life balance is very important. I'm glad you shared, you know, the importance of being healthy, the importance of being organized you know, and the importance of just taking stock of where you are because you have to be responsible for yourself. And I think that's something a lot of us are starting to realize now. We have more work to do within our community with that. Um, and me, I've gotten a lot better with it, you know, because I was running myself crazy with Blurp and the startup when I first came out here. But, you know, and, and I have to give a lot of credit to my wife dragging me to the therapist because she saw me losing myself. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I went, I was like, y'all don't want to go. I don't want to do that. But, you know, once I went and it's I got not cool in our community. Yeah. yeah, that's a stigma and that's a conversation for another day. But, yeah, work life balance is very important. And I'm glad you touched on those things. So now a couple of questions left. But also have been impacted based on job losses due to COVID and is exploring some entrepreneurial options. What advice do you have for those wanting to pursue this as an option today to create for themselves since jobs are limited? Um. Figure out what you're what you're best at, um, and then and then figure out how like how I guess how you can monetize it. Like since since for me personally, since since leaving Twilio, I've actually taken this time to like really because um, previously what people do when they're searching for jobs, they they replace having a job with looking for a job. So right. they're literally doing that from you know nine to five, um, which depending on your circumstance, that could be good or bad, right. right? I've taken this time to, you know, I'm doing my job search, but I'm also working on things that are going to fulfill me outside of my career, right? So, you know, learning about the stock market, right? Because I'm like, I, I need to set myself up for the future, right? right? Like, how can I better invest my Roth IRAs and my traditional Roth IRAs mm -hmm. and stuff, right? So I've been, you know, educating myself on the stock market, like, what is, you know, why are these indexes important? Which one should I follow? When's the best time to buy or sell? Whatever, right? right? You do mutual funds and stuff. 
And then also learning about real estate as well, right? Yep. So I've been just been using this time as, as a way of like self-education. Um, and, and I would say like um, a lot of people, there's really no, it's, it's, that's an interesting question you asked me because there's really no, there's really no straight path to, to entrepreneurship. Right. When you look at most stories about entrepreneurs, they didn't actually want to start their own business, right? right? Like a lot of them, they, some of them, they had no other choice. <laughs> Nobody yeah. them would give them another shot, so they had no other choice. Right, you know? right. Um, um, I can't think of think of one one in. Uh, um, I, I'm blanking on his name, but um, so it's like there can be, you know, just kind of kind of figure it out for for poor for lack of words. But and one thing I that I would I would I would say do is like don't get too don't fall into in love with your ideas because entrepreneurs we you know we have to be delusional to a certain extent right, to yeah. get stuff pushed through. Mm -hmm. um, and you need data to back that. You got to know your facts, right? If you're pitching it or building the product. Um, but don't fall in love with your idea because if you fall in love with it, then you're going to be less critical of it. Yeah. Um, I would fall in love with the idea when it's, when it's paying me a salary. That's if right. it's not paying me a salary, I, I can't, you know, I, I, don't, I don't love it. Right. I don't, I, you know, the trash can in my in my room is more important than that idea, because like, you no, know, like seriously, because I think a lot of people want to jump into entrepreneurship because, at, especially after um, the Facebook story came out, you know, when people saw that movie, people was like, I want to jump in and do it, but you're not, you gotta, you gotta test that idea, you know. Yeah. So like, starting a company is literally an iteration of test, small test, test this assumption. It's very methodical. Yeah, being an entrepreneur is fun, man. Like when you think about the, the methodical nature of it, it isn't really fun. So no. if that's fun to you, you're actually probably an entrepreneur. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I literally have spent or, you know, validating ideas, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like pieces of it, like even trap you where I'm like, can I get career coaches on the platform? Right. All right, let's validate that. And, I, and it took me two months to get a hundred career coaches on it. Yeah. Um, and now the next step is I'm trying to, um, um, test the assumption of will community colleges want to partner with me right so testing that assumption out great right. once i get that figured out then i gotta move on to the next mm -hmm. right but i'm not in love with my idea because when you're in love with an idea you're not going to be critical of it. it's like right you know it, it's just like um it's just like uh you know when when you first start dating a new person right mm -hmm. um you're not in love with them you're kind of like trying to figure out if you know you know if they're not a weirdo yeah. And then you notice, you know, when the relationship's good, when they start doing stuff that you know they wouldn't have done on the first date. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you so know, good, good but at that point, it. you at that point, you love them because you know they've already proven that they're down for you. You know what right. I'm saying? Same thing with these with these ideas and stuff. Yep. Is that like don't as soon as you get an idea, like I'm I I'm I'm very critical of my ideas. I'm very yeah. critical of it. Um, because and here's another thing too, like I don't see it as much, but um, don't feel like just because you want to be an entrepreneur and that you want to start a company that people are beholden to help you. No, they're not. <laughs> no, they're not. That is not their obligation. Absolutely. Like just because like, like you jumped out the window and started your own company, great, kudos to you. But that doesn't mean that everyone has to help you in your idea. Like Absolutely. those community colleges don't have to help me with my, my idea. Those college students, those black and latinx students they're not beholden to me they don't have to use my ideas right right so again like 
being an entrepreneur, a lot of it is like knowing when to be emotional and knowing when not to be. And I think that's just professionally too, but in particularly around your idea, right? Like you got to test it out. You got to really test it out. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to be um, critical um, and analytical about an idea if you love it, because you're going to miss some steps. You're going to be like, oh, well, I don't need to worry about how I'm going to get customers because I got so-and-so or da-da-da-da. And, you know, like literally like do a bunch of small tests, like A-B tests and stuff yep. like, you know. Um, so I, I, that's, I guess that's my biggest advice for people wanting to get an entrepreneurship is don't, don't fall in love with the idea. Right. Oh, yeah. Don't fall in love and test. Test everything. No, that's test great everything. facts, man. Great, great information, great tips. Um, cool. So what was, the, what was the best book you've read in the last five years? Um, uh, Nelson Mandela's autobiography. Hmm. How so? That, that, that changed my life because <laughs> as a, you remember this conversation we had when I was like, you know, I'm tired of needing a home run to, right. to just live. Like, right. And if you know the story of Mandela, like a quick rundown, he spent 30 years in jail almost um, because he wanted to end apartheid. He could have got out five years earlier but he decided to stay in because he didn't want to renounce his movement. Right. And he actually, he actually told the government, he's like, you should be negotiating with me because I'm a prisoner and that breaks the law you have established. He was a trained lawyer. Yep. Um, so I read his story. He talked about how, you know, how he, you know, he, he just really like outlined his whole story. And I, I remember thinking to myself, like this whole time, you know, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm like, my idea got a hit. It got a hit because I needed that home run. And I'm like, this man waited 30 years to free South Africa. Like, mm-hmm. why can't I wait? Why can't I wait? I'm not, and I'm not even working on something of that, of that, of that, uh, of that, that statue. Yeah. So, and you know, just, just really, um, he has a very resilient story. And then, you know, uh, around forgiveness, like he was, he was very chameleon-like. Like when mm-hmm. he went to prison, um, he, he learned. Um, I forgot the Dutch. I forgot what language they speak, but he learned, he mastered their language mm-hmm. and he learned how to communicate with them, which set him up for success in the future. When he did the, um, you remember when he did the trials where he had people from both sides of the apartheid, yes. people who were punished by it and people who are per- perpetrators in that system. Yep. He had them meet and kind of reconcile. Mm. Right. And even though he was really brutalized by that system, he found a way to, um, get out of his hate yep. or animosity um like his whole story that 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 to me that really changed my life like i was like man like it, it made me it made me a lot more patient yeah um and it, it i'm like man this man this man spent 30 years in jail he could have the, the thing that really got me about Nelson Mandela is that he could have got out like i said five five uh ten years he could have gotten gotten out in the 80s I can't re- really remember what year, but things were heating up because a lot of um, a lot of universities in America were um, the students were were protesting because they're like, "Why are you taking money from this company that's supporting the apartheid?" Yeah, uh, because there were companies, you know, in the U.S. and stuff. Yeah, and it was just I was just like, "Man, this guy spent more time." And and just, you know, just thinking about now, right? Like, did, how many guys have you heard of where they do a crime and then they snitch on their on their co-defendant? Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and they weren't they weren't even facing thirty years, no. you know, um, or life, you know. And it's just like, like, wow, this he like he really he really 
definitely still for something. Um, but that's like, that was like a really game changer for me. Um, um, that book, uh, some, uh, some other good books that I read that were probably more technical and relatable to like, you know, in tech, I would say this book called Contagious. Yeah. Um, it's like a really Contagious. good book. I love that book. Um, Nipsey read it and that's where he got the idea for selling his album for a hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to give it up, uh, how to make money in stocks. That's like a recent book yep. I'm reading. Uh, how to win friends and influence people absolutely yeah um yeah and yeah those those are like some books that i can think right off the book right off the bat but nelson mandela's book autobiography that's by far the most important book in my life like that that really changed and it made again it made me more it made me more patient right and it made me you know because we you know we uh we as people our problems yep are the biggest problem Right. Like my problem that I'm having right now is bigger than yours right now, Daryl. Like I don't even care about your problem. Right. And what his book taught me was like, there's always somebody always has it worse for you. Yes. And if he can wait, I can wait. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you know, it, it helped me uh, step out of myself, uh, especially as an entrepreneur, like saying like, man, this guy waited 30 years to free his people. That really didn't benefit him. You know what I'm saying? No. Um, you know, so it, it, it just forced me to put things in perspective. Like that's a real problem, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Nah, patience, man. We can all definitely learn how to continue to be patient and, and, you know, and diligent and, you know, and strategize while being patient. No, absolutely. Thanks for sharing those gems with us, man. So man, when can we expect trap view in the market, man? When can, you know, our fellow black and Latinx um, college students and community colleges across America can start to get on there and figure out their their career trajectory and start developing themselves yeah yeah so what i'm doing now is i'm doing a small i'm doing a small test so i'm looking to have like five uh not five but um 20 students uh using using the uh being being a part of the beta trial yeah um i haven't uh created the timeline yet because I, I pretty much had to like i just had to take time off just for like family issues but my my goal is to have the beta trial completed by in the first quarter next year um and uh, if you're interested in in uh, in signing up for the for the trial uh, and being a part of it, you can go to trapview.co, um, and then there's like a button in there you, that you can click to join our email list to be alerted uh, when you want to join. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm literally just you know taking it taking it one day at a time, you know. And um, yeah, so I, I would say like our, our our you know my my thing is to, to do the beta trial first, the soft launch before I actually kind of doing a full rollout. I mean, that's another mistake people make is that um, entrepreneurs make is that you're not supposed to just have one launch. You're actually supposed to have like two to three launches, yeah. right? You have yeah. the soft launch to, to you know, to iron out the kinks. Yeah. And then you have the hard launch once yeah. you kind of figured out the immediate kinks. And then there's going to be stuff that that breaks that you didn't even anticipate breaking. Of course. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, so. Um, yeah, so that's that's it. If you, you you know you are black and a Latinx and you want to break into tech, you know go to trapview.co, sign up, and I'll reach out again. I'm, I'm looking for uh, up to 20, uh, 20 people you know who want to want to be a part of the beta trial. So, all right, folks, you heard it. Trapview.co, man. If you want to um, test it out, beta test, and work with Corey directly. All right, man. So. Where can folks find you on social media, man? Tell us your Insta page if you have one, Twitter, website, if you have a Facebook page. Where can folks find and connect with you at? 
Yeah, so uh, I got my own website, CoreyAHarris.com. Uh, um, you can find me on uh, LinkedIn, Corey Harris. Um, I'm pretty pretty easy to find on, on LinkedIn. Um, like I think I'm like the only black guy. <laughs> I know one other Corey, Corey Harris, um, but Corey A. Harris on LinkedIn. Um, on Facebook and, and Instagram, you can just put Corey Stay Trapping. Um, Twitter too, Corey Stay Trapping. Um, yeah, so. Cool, man. Well, Mr. Corey Harris, man, it's been a pleasure interviewing you on episode five of Blurt Founder Story Interview, man. You know, I learned a lot about your journey, man. It was very inspiring, you know, especially you cold emailing from, you know, Tobacco Road in North Carolina coming to Silicon <laughs> Valley. That sounds like a movie in itself. And it sounds like you make two movies from Brooklyn to Goldsboro to UNC to Silicon Valley, man. That That's a crazy path that most folks never take, man. It sounds like an import-export um, <laughs> trip of, 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 of stuff. So, nah, I'm glad to interview you, man. Thanks for sharing your gems on how folks can look for work and how to strategize, as well as, you know, the work-life balance tips, man. You know, this was a great interview, man. I really appreciate you today. You know, thanks again, man. Great to have you. And um, everyone else, thanks out there. Continue to stay safe and, and, and sound and healthy with COVID. Please be diligent. We want to see you back for the next episode and future episodes after that. All right. So next time, everyone, peace out. <laughs>